Okay, so we've seen plenty of times when bacteria act like pathogens, but we haven't really talked about a lot of the ways that bacteria protect us from other pathogens. All this and so much more on this episode of Short Stories of Bacteria. Well, hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Short Stories of Bacteria. I, as always, am your host, Dr. K. Thank you to each and every single one of you for turning in, for tuning into, into the podcast today. If this is your first time here, do not forget to like, share, follow wherever podcasts are distributed. If this is your second or subsequent time here, well, welcome back. Thank you to everyone for making this podcast one of the best podcasts of all time, at least in the top 1% of podcasts ever made. Very exciting stuff. Remember, you can, as always, stay up to date with the show by following along on Instagram at Science of Dr. K. That is science with Dr. underscore K. So um, one of the coolest things about bacteria and, and just microbial organisms more broadly is the way in which they interact with other non-human organisms, Right. There is a million and one ways in which bacterial species can be beneficial or um, deleterious, right? And in doing so, drive the evolution of non-human species. Human species as well. We've talked a lot about how microbes interact with us on the regular and how they influence us, right? So they influence human evolution as well. But specifically today, we are talking about non-human species at this time. Now, one of the really, really cool things about this fact, um, once you realize that bacteria and their host organisms have such... Um, have such intertwined fates. So once you realize that bacteria can drive the evolution of a species, right, and you also realize that you can use bacteria in those host organisms as a way of directing that sort of evolution, right? You can use bacteria, the, the, the structure of the microbiome, as a way of directing evolution to a certain extent. And while that doesn't seem to drive any particular ideas right now off the top of your head, this becomes a really, really, really important concept when we're talking about disease, right? How would it be if you could use the naturally occurring bacteria in a host organism as a way of staving off different kinds of disease? What if you could inoculate a host organism with a specific t type of bacteria, right? That could, that could protect it from some other kind of host pathogen, right? That's actually a really, really interesting idea, and it's actually one that a lot of scientists are still turning around in their minds. Um, we talked a little bit, actually, about this concept in a previous episode. We talked about how there's this certain type of frog, or a certain group of frogs, honestly, that can be killed by this certain type of fungus, right? We talked about how one way that scientists were able to save this frog from going extinct was by inoculating it with this certain type of bacteria. And the bacteria, when it was exposed to this pathogenic microbe, started developing a number of, of weapons, these, these, anti, these toxic things, these toxic compounds that would kill the microbe, right? And essentially what this would do is it would act as a bacterial shield, right? It would protect the frog from that incoming microbe. And in doing so, it was able to defend against a pathogen. It saved the day, and it saved the frog. So huzzah, great glory for that. Now, Dr. K, you say, um, recalling with great nostalgia the episodes past, what a feel-good story, Dr. K. Mayhaps there are other ways that you could point out where we could use bacteria as a way of directing evolution, as a way of staving off the oblivion of a pathogen. Well, um, that is actually a really, really good question. 
um, and it's going to be the subject of today's conversation. In fact, um, there are a number of different ways the bacteria can be used uh, to protect us. Uh, one of these has to do with the um, with the infamous, the lowly, the subject of much fury and much rancor, the common mosquito. Ah, Dr. K, you say, happily. Surely I know this one quite well. Is it just like the case of the frog and the pathogenic microbe? Is there an instance, mayhaps, where you could just add a special cream made up of bacteria and in doing so ward off the ability of mosquitoes to find us and, and extract our succulent life juices? Um, no, at least not as far as I'm aware of. That is a very odd question to ask. I can't think of anything off the top of my head that would meet that description. Um, what we're doing here, um, in a weird way, it's, it's, it's not as much protecting ourselves against the mosquito, um, but more more along, more more about protecting us from the things the mosquito carries along with it, right? So you might be very well aware that in addition to giving us the awful welts that itch and are a general nuisance, the common mosquito, that is Aedes aegypti for the uninitiated, also happens to pass along a number of awful diseases, right? So these diseases include anything like malaria, which is one of the deadliest sicknesses in the world, they include things like dengue fever. They include things like chikungunya. A number of, of, of other diseases come through um, mosquitoes. Now, each of these are viral infections, and each of these have to be present in the blood in order to injure, in order to kill the human. But they can't just hippity-hop into a host by themselves. As it turns out, viruses are extremely reliant on host organisms. Right? And so instead of just hopping from one to another, they have to rely on some kind of vector to transmit the disease. Right? In the case of some viruses, they can just be transmitted just by coughing, like we, just the common cold. But a lot of um, diseases, a lot of viral diseases, depend on something called a vector in order to be moved from one organism to another. Right? And it turns out that mosquitoes are the absolute best way to transmit those diseases. Now, what does this actually look like? Um, when we look at it in the wild. Well, how it generally works is you'll have an infected individual who is just trundling around. Let's use malaria as an example, right? So this infected individual is trundling around carrying malaria. And then what will happen is a mosquito will come over and extract a sample of the blood. Um, when a mosquito takes this blood meal, that's what it's called, it's one of the most terrifying sounding meals I've ever heard of. But when the mosquito takes this blood meal, then they also inadvertently drink up some of the malaria virus with it. Okay. Once it's in the mosquito, then malaria just kind of sticks around and the virus continues to colonize the insect. And then the next time the malaria jabs an uninfected individual, the virus just seeps out from the insect, entering the person and entering the bloodstream, entering the liver, all these different things, right? So in this way, the virus is able to go from person to person, infecting everyone that the infected mosquito touches. Now, um, there are a number of different ways that you could theoretically stop something like malaria or any of these other diseases from being transmitted. Um, one obvious way you could do this is by killing all mosquitoes, which is something that many people will be totally okay with if you think about it, um, regardless of the impact it would have on evolution and ecology. Another key way is decreasing the amount of interactions between humans and insects. Right? So this can be done by creating environments that drive mosquitoes away for all the people who carry like the torchy things, right? That's one way you could do it. Another way you could do it is by setting up some kind of physical barrier 
um, like a bed net or something like that to shield individuals from the bugs. And now, while these are really, really good ways to help out, and honestly, they're some of the best ways that we have right now, um, the best ways to stop the interactions between the mosquito and the human, while these are really, really great, a lot of this actually seems to be more reactive to the problem and not proactive to the problem. That leads to this fundamental question. Could we do something proactively to stop the virus before it gets to us? Um, but excuse me, the to stop the mosquito before it gets to us with the virus and then the mosquito stabs us with its poisonous proboscis. Um, right. So it may be perfectly obvious to you at this point that a key way to stop the virus, to stop getting poisoned by the mosquito, a key way to stop this virus would be to focus in on the interactions between the mosquito and the virus, right? Mosquitoes are vectors of the disease, right? They, uh, in other words, they are transmitting the disease from person to person. But while we were talking earlier about decreasing interactions between humans and mosquitoes, a good question would be, what if we worked on decreasing the interactions between the mosquitoes and the viruses themselves? Now, this sets up this really, really cool set of ideas. Is there a way to prevent mosquitoes and these diseases from ever interacting? Or maybe, is there a way that we could kill the virus while it's in the mosquito before it gets to a new host? Now, the latter of these has been especially promising, and it requires that we introduce a bacteria called Wolbachia. Now, Wolbachia is a funny little genus within the bacterial enclave. Um, it's a little rod-shaped, gram-negative guy, and at first blush, it might seem a little, um, I guess nondescript might be the best might be the best word. Um, it's just a little rod-shaped guy. But it happens to be the greatest infectious agent of all time. What do I mean by that? Well, it turns out that Wolbachia does an incredible job colonizing insects. Like, a ridiculously incredible job at colonizing insects. How good, Dr. K, you ask? Well, of all the insects in the world, and I do mean all of them, of all the insects in the world, there are some estimates that Wolbachia infects 70% of them. 70% of all the insects in the world are theorized to contain Wolbachia. That is absurd. That is mind-bending. And it gets even crazier than that. So embedded, so embedded are Wolbachia bacteria in insects that they can even drive things like fitness and evolution. Wolbachia has even been known to completely change some insect species from requiring two parents to make new babies to just requiring one parent to make new babies. It is utterly crazy. Wolbachia is absolutely absurd. Now, one of the ways that Wolbachia are theorized to influence fitness is by allowing certain insects to resist viruses. You see, viruses, they will infect insects like they infect everything else, but if 70% of the insects are home to Wolbachia, then Wolbachia doesn't really want those insects dying, right? And so as a result, Wolbachia, to a certain extent, can act as a competitor to certain types of viruses, essentially driving away viral invaders and inadvertently acting like a, um, acting like a tiny immune system for the bug. Now, a lot of researchers, and maybe you too when you heard that, a lot of researchers pricked up their ears at this a type of bacteria that competes with viruses for access to the bug? What a crazy notion. And that leads to this fundamental question. Could you use Wolbachia as a way to decrease the amount of viral diseases like malaria, like dengue, etc.? Could you do that as a way of decreasing the amount of viral diseases in the insect? And in doing so, 
reduce the amount of transmission of these diseases? Well, um, that is a really, really good question, and it's one that a lot of researchers are still trying to figure out, as it turns out, um, but it does seem like that might be the case. Let's look at an example. So there's a place in Indonesia called Yogyakarta. I believe that's how you pronounce it, Yogyakarta, Indonesia. And there in Yogyakarta, there's a group of researchers at a place called the World Mosquito Program. And what the World Mosquito Program does is they've been developing strains of Wolbachia that when they're introduced into the insect, offer better protection of the mosquito from the presence of the dengue virus. Dengue virus, for those of you who don't know, it's a vector-borne disease that in severe cases can be fatal, but it infects an astounding estimated 100 to 400 million people per year. Absolutely unreal. Up to 400 million people per year get dengue virus. Unreal. Now, in any event, the folks over here at the World Mosquito Program, they made a version of Wolbachia that would compete with this dengue virus. And in doing so, they could drive it out of the offending mosquito. Okay, And so with this strain of Wolbachia, what they did is they inoculated a whole bunch of different mosquitoes with this Wolbachia, essentially engineering a version of the mosquito that was resistant to dengue. Now, wait a minute, Dr. K, you say sweating profusely. The notion of engineered mosquitoes sounds like a really, really, really dangerous one. In fact, I can envision at least three or four different horror film storylines that begin with the phrase, and then we engineered a different version of the mosquito. But don't worry, guys. It is totally fine this time. It's, it's totally fine. Nothing can go wrong. But wait to hear what they did. So once they made this engineered version of the mosquito, then they subdivided Yogyakarta City into 24 different clusters. Okay, and then released these engineered mosquitoes into a random set of 12 of these 24 clusters with permission of the city, obviously. And then they told the clusters to practice their normal mosquito control measures like they typically would. Okay, then after this, they waited feverishly, waiting to see if maybe this intervention would decrease the amount of dengue virus cases in the area. Okay, so time melted away, right? And then nearly two and a half years later, after continuously measuring the data, the researchers stopped the trial and began to compare the different clusters, looking at the amount of dengue virus cases right between the ones that had the engineered mosquitoes and the ones that didn't have the engineered mosquitoes. And what they found was absolutely shocking. Guys, it was a 77% decrease. A 77% decrease. In clusters where the edited mosquitoes were released, they saw a 77% decrease in the occurrence of this dengue virus. And what's more, in addition to this dramatic decrease in the dengue virus cases, the amount of hospitalizations also dropped, falling an unprecedented 86% in the same time. The researchers, therefore, had stumbled on something really, really cool, some way in which possibly this bacteria, Wolbachia, this edited bacteria, if you introduced it to the mosquito, could protect it from taking up this dengue virus and in doing so protect the people in those clusters from getting the dengue virus. So after this, they took their research to a new location. They released their mosquitoes upon a number of other locations, including three big cities in Colombia. Now, these releases started in 2015, and they continued for five years until, um, until late 2020, once COVID started. And at a meeting this past October, guys, so this is like barely a month ago, right? 
this research group shared some startling findings. There was a dramatic drop, a dramatic drop in the amount of dengue cases in these cities in Colombia. In fact, in some areas where the mosquitoes had become like really, really integrated into the environment, the dengue cases dropped an absurd 94 to 97%. That is a ridiculous drop in such a short amount of time. Now, Data points um, like this, even if they are occurring over the span of this many years, so this would be about five, they can't conclusively say anything just over this time, right? So other scientists point out this could just be a blip in the data, right? But at the same time, it's a pretty significant blip, and it's a really, really cool indicator of a way of controlling the spread of a viral disease such as dengue virus, okay? So, all right, squad, let's, um, let's give this a shot from the top. Number one, bacteria in addition to acting as pathogens for us, can track down and kill other organisms, including those that are dangerous to us. Number two, diseases like malaria and dengue fever are transmitted using the common mosquito as a vector. Number three, bacteria like Wolbachia almost act like an immune system, like a mini immune system for mosquitoes against certain types of viruses. And finally, number four, the World Mosquito Program uses Wolbachia bacteria as a way of driving down the levels of dengue virus fever with astonishing results. It is a super, super cool, super interesting way that people can use bacteria as a way of protecting us from other predators. And I think it's a really cool indicator of where these therapies can go in the future. But guys, that is all I have for you today. Thank you so much for tuning in as always. Happy Thanksgiving to all of you. Um, be sure to say a hearty thank you to your amazing microbiome, and I will pass on a hearty thanks to you guys. I'm super thankful for all of you listening, and I hope I'll see you guys next week on another episode of Short Stories Bacteria.